exciting news, Piers. We're in the news. We're pretty chuffed and humbled to have had Marie Claire Australia recognise our work as a diversity-driven media company in my recent interview with the brilliant Grace Back. In this intimate profile, I recount my move from climbing the corporate finance ladder to building a podcast agency to what it means to be a woman of colour in media. We discuss the challenges of pivoting careers, the Pierce Project's legacy and career-shaping moments since the company's inception in 2018. I'd absolutely love if you could head to the link in this episode's description, read the feature and DM me personally on Instagram to let me know what you think. My Instagram handle is at Misha Kidnor. Now let's get into this episode. This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, Peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, Peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Technology tends to divide us into two camps, the tech geeks and the rest of civilization. For anyone outside of the tech sphere, life inside seems like a confusing, complicated and exclusive space we're unsure how to approach and even more unsure if we'll ever truly understand it. That's exactly where Lubo Smid comes in. To clarify the convoluted, Lubo is the co-founder and CEO at STRV, a software engineering company that works with Fortune 500 startups and global brands to create digital solutions. In this episode, Lubo streamlines our misconceptions around tech, reminds us that good people, hard work and opportunistic mindsets are the root of success. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome Lubo. Lubo, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much uh, for having me. I was uh, really looking forward to the chat and I hope that it's going to be great. Awesome. Amazing. So, you know, you and I connected recently via LinkedIn and when I looked to you and all of the awesome work that you're doing in the tech and the business space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem at all. Cool. So for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'll be more than happy to. I'm a tech entrepreneur. I run a company called STRV, where we focus on 
building software product for various clients. And basically how I got to this, I will probably start with, you know, the early days when, you know, I started coding myself and I was probably at the age of about 15, uh, maybe a little younger. And I got really intrigued by building software rather than, you know, playing computer games. And uh, it started with doing small websites and uh, then learning some backend technologies and uh, then going going to high school that was, that was focused on computer science and getting to college and basically continuing the, the journey like as a natural progress. And uh, technology and, and especially software was something that always interested me. And uh, I think that's why I pursue the career in in this field and like past almost nine years we have been building up strv and uh, making sure that we can engage on some of the most interesting projects and uh, explore some some new technologies and like over the years we have been really pushing to get to the better stuff and i think that's kind of the essence of strv that we strive for constant improvement and, and constant change and making things better, not just from the project standpoint, but also from a design standpoint to make sure that the UI that we do is, is great, the user experience is great, but also from the engineering standpoint that uh, the technologies that we use are up to date and uh, that they have a support of the community and so on. And yeah, fortunately enough, this has been working and we have managed to engage with uh, some really cool companies. I'm originally from Prague from uh, the Czech Republic and uh, probably seven years ago made the leap to the US uh, because of course, as, as I said, we were chasing the interesting opportunities. And when we moved to San Francisco, we felt like the opportunities were there. It was hard to find them, but it was not hard to identify where the, the whole hot market was at the time. Mm. It's just so interesting to kind of learn where this came from for you, you know, where your love for technology and and kind of how you've progressed, you know, over the last couple of years and over the last almost decade, really. And so I guess I want to dive deeper into your work. But before we do, I'd like to start with a question I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, you know, what did growing up in, for you, Prague, you know, how, what was that like firstly? And how did that impact the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? So I did not, I did not grow up in Prague per se, uh, but all over the Czech Republic, pretty much. It's a great place to live at. I still like spending time here. I love to travel. I spend uh, a lot of time in the US too when the condi- travel conditions permit. So I have not been there for the past half a year, but it's really, it's, it's, it's really nice country. And I think that the balance, uh, uh, and the standard of living that you can have here is really, really good. And, uh, I think in, in the end, that's why we have a lot of interest from people from outside of the country to move in, in here and, and join us. But I had an opportunity to study abroad and, uh, that was something that really opened my eyes. I, I, I spent a, a year in England and uh, then half a year in the U.S. And that for me was pretty much the first real uh, international experience. I learned the language. Otherwise, I would not be able to talk to you and 
with my broken school English, you wouldn't be able to do much. But when you are in an environment where you have to speak, then you learn it and you learn it fast. So I think that that was uh, that was a good move. Uh, but overall, like uh, I, I I really like it here in the Czech Republic. I think that from the perspective of standard of living, it's amazing. From the business perspective, I would much rather be somewhere else. That's why I combine uh, multiple locations. Mm. No, and I love that. And I think I think it's just so fascinating that you were, you know, you grew up like in the Czech, Czech Republic and had to learn the language when you kind of moved on. You know, what, what was like your childhood like? Did you always kind of love technology? What was it like kind of in your family, in your home? Did you have brothers and sisters that were really ambitious and loved technology or was it just you? Talk to us a little bit about Lubo the early years. As, as I said, like, Probably got my first computer when I was, I don't know, about 12. And I think that's where it actually started. And uh, thanks to my, my, my dad, actually, who uh, got the computer. But I was, I was playing games. I was, like, trying it out. But I, at, at one point, I decided to look what's inside. So I started the assembling the the computer taking out different parts changing it oh. for the better parts uh, oh like opening up your computer yeah yeah like ah oh. like f- yeah really looking like at like you know back in the days it was not laptops uh it was like the big boxes uh, that you would open and you could exchange your memory your processor and and, and uh, graphics and everything and for me, it was a trial and error, right? I didn't know how that worked, but I always somehow figured it out. So I had a lot of spare parts. I was playing with that. And, uh, you know, entrepreneurship was uh, really deeply incorporated in the family. Both of, both of my parents had a business at some point. So I think that also led me to think about, I want to do something of my own, Right. So for me, the combination of being in tech and running my own own business was the long-term motivation. Not necessarily that, you know, you have to have everything right away, but that was something that, that, I, was, uh, that I was trying for. Mm. So that's really interesting because I think so many of us, you know, especially young, you know, not even young, just millennials, you know, we don't often know if it's possible to start our own companies in our 20s or to just go off there and do what we want to do. You know, for you, it seems that at a really early age, you kind of knew what you wanted to do and you were all set. You know, I, did you face any challenges kind of going through high school and then, you know, heading into university? I saw that you studied at um, Coventry in the UK, as you mentioned, and later on, did your master's in, pra- in back in Prague. You know, what was that time like for you? Yeah, I feel like I had a lot of challenges. And I think one of them was uh, when I was mentioning learning the language. I was terrible in English. And like, you know, my, my grades were really bad. It's not that probably I didn't want to learn it. I wanted to. I wanted to learn it. I saw it uh, important. But I think the conditions were not there. Like I was learning a language that I was not using, right? And then I, when, when I moved abroad, I improved my English to a level that I was able to do everything. I learned French and I learned German within like a span of year and a half. But 
I did not, I did not like since then. The reason I learned the, the other two languages was that I was hanging out with a lot of classmates from France and Germany. And I was like, if you are in a group of 15 people and you are the only one who doesn't speak the language, you better learn it so, so you can keep hanging out with them. That was kind of my motivation and that's why it uh, went pretty fast. But since then, I have not been using it. and I lost it nearly immediately. So I feel like if you are learning the language and you are not using it, it's pretty much pointless because like it's 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 like 10 times harder than when you actually have a use for it so i think that's that's why that's why it's hard for for, for people to keep up and and learn the language uh, if if they don't have the opportunities to speak i think now it's way better the opportunities are there as at least if you live like in a in a big city because then like you know there's uh, a lot of people that you can speak English with. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, about it. And uh, when you asked, like, if I if I knew since the very beginning what I wanted to be doing, for me, it was like, I kind of sensed what the right direction was, but I wasn't like 100% convinced. I think I made a bet on, on, on technology because I felt like, okay, this could be this could be interesting. This seems like something that I would I would enjoy. But it does not happen overnight that you know you pick a field and and you, you achieve something. And it's a it's a long process. And now doing business uh, in the tech space for about ten years, and then you know studying in 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 that field, it's it's a long time. And I look at I look at it from a perspective like. If you want to do if you want to do something or if you want to get somewhere there's probably 99% chance that you can get there. The only tricky part is the time that it takes and as long as it's within your lifespan, uh, right? Some of the some of the ideas are very ambitious and uh, they probably might not be able uh, might not be achievable within a lifespan of a person. But this is like the 1% most of, most of the things are, and uh, if if you are persistent and patient, you can you can get there. The problem is that many people don't keep up and don't like uh, they just drop out of that. And I feel like this is this is my motto that I use for myself that I'm in it for the long run, and I know that like if I make a decision, I'm not looking at uh, what the, the, this decision influences tomorrow. But what's my next uh, decade going to look like? And uh, this is not every decision that I make, of course. I make uh, short-term decisions too. But I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of things from the long-term perspective because I feel like that, that's, ju that's just the way I am. I find it so fascinating. How can we get better at being patient? Huh. I think <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a tricky uh, question because... Even for myself, in some areas of my life, I'm extremely impatient. Like when I want to get the latest uh, gadget that <laughs> was just released. Um, Not waiting. I, I, I hate it. I don't want to wait. I know it's out there. I want it. Wherever in the world it is, send it my way immediately. And there I'm extremely impatient. Like I want, I want it now. So, so I feel like, you know, it's not that I will be patient with everything. I know that I'm patient a lot with, with my colleagues 
And uh, basically, I have assembled the entire leadership team of the company, or at least for the most part, from people that were promoted from within, rather than bringing somebody from the outside. And it has a lot of pros and cons, because you don't get that high of an experience, right? You don't, you don't bring in people that been there, done that, and have like a five-year experience with what you exactly need. But on the flip side, you get someone who knows the company throughout and you get someone who is going to be very loyal with the company and very loyal with the values of the company and, and everything. And, but this takes time and I'm happy to be patient there. The same way I'm happy to be patient in, in, in business because not every day will be successful, not every month, maybe not even every year. So I think when, when you asked how to be more patient, I don't think that you need to be patient with everything, but there are things that are just not possible to change within a short period of time. And this is where you need the patience to be able to achieve something, right? If you are buying something and you want it now, you can have it now. That's not a problem. And I'm like, I'm like combining these, uh, these two. So that's, uh, that's pretty much my approach to it, but I'm not sure if it's going to work for anybody. Entrepreneurship overall is not for everybody. Because you have skin in the game. There is no one, there is no backup, basically. It's all on you. And people are different. So yeah, everybody needs to figure out what's their sweet spot and do that. And not everybody is going to be a software engineer. Not everybody is going to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody is going to be recording podcasts. And I think that that's the beauty of life, that uh, you have a lot of choices and uh it's uh, up to you how you figure it out. Very true. So I want to dive a bit deeper into kind of your progression. So now you're nine years in, you know, but back then we just take it back to kind of the idea for STRV. You know, I think you started it out in Jan of 2012 and you jumped on board as a COO at the time. Now, where did the idea for STRV come about or, or how did that opportunity come about for you? And what, I guess, were the first few steps you did to kind of really get, get it off the ground? So j- just to make things clear, when I joined in 2012, the company was already running and had about 10 people. My two other colleagues, they started way earlier, but it was very small, very fresh. They were partially still studying while, while building up the company. And the, the interesting thing is that, like, you know, people often ask me where we got this idea for it. And we literally did not get in anywhere and uh, we did not have a plan. You know, you often get asked, what's your business plan? What, what are you going to do? How, how are you going to go about it? And for us, it was not about that. We did not have a plan. We didn't know where we wanted to get in like next five years or so. We, I think... We're a good mix of people that liked technology and uh, also had a good sense of business. And we're just chasing the opportunities. And we were probably hoping that something will get out of that. And we were not even sure if we want to build a big business that is going to be working with clients as we have now, or if we want to have our own products. And uh, now we have both, which is great. But it took us really long to figure out what the plan is and what the vision is. But we are constantly getting 
better and better projects. We were able to connect with interesting people. And uh, I think from that, we kind of figured, okay, we have this part, which, you know, is the consulting business where we work for clients, we help them build great products. We have this uh, awesome client portfolio. And on this other side, we were able to spin out a couple of products on our own. And today, it's basically myself managing STRE and driving it forward. And my other three co-founders, they focus entirely on a new venture, which is called Kindest. And uh, it's a non-profit donation platform. And uh, so so we kind of took a little bit of time, yeah, more uh, uh, about a decade to figure out where we are actually headed. But it was a nice journey, mostly because the company was still growing. We're getting better. The revenues were growing and we were building the company up. So we did not really need to question the path throughout the way. But it took us a really, really long time to figure out what we are actually doing. Now we know, but uh, there, was no, there was no idea what sparked in our minds. Okay, this is when we want to build a company that is going to have... Uh, 200 people that is going to be building software software products for for clients uh, mostly in the US right there was like we knew that the, the in the US there was a really interesting market that's why we wanted to go there we were always chasing the the exciting projects but uh, these days uh, we we talk to people from all over the world uh, even in Australia or or Japan it's it's not just uh, the US anymore. I love that. I love how you just deconstructed that. I think so many of us get really crept up in the long-term vision and we're like, oh, if I'm going to do this, because it's scary, you know, you put up your own capital or you quit your job or whatever it may be. And I think for you, you just came straight out of university and just went straight into this, you know, and we kind of think, well, this has to work out. Oh my goodness. And we get stressed about the plan. Did you ever feel worried, stressed, anxious throughout those early days when you knew you didn't really know what you were doing? Like, definitely there were a lot of uh, stressful moments and uh, times where, like multiple times we saw the basically end uh, of the runway. Being really, really close, we were not able to pay salaries on time and we we did not have a good outlook for for the company or like other 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 issues uh, related to mostly mostly finance because that's in the end the essence of 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 a business right but uh, fortunately enough uh, like the last one was the when the the coronavirus pandemic started we did not have a clue what it would do with the company. In the end, it turned out to be mostly positive for for us as a company. Like five of our biggest clients put the collaboration on hold, but the pace, how we were able to onboard new clients was uh, extremely fast. So we did not even notice that there was a drop in terms of the, the long-term clients that we had at the time. But, you know, like, when it comes to other like stressful moments and at the very beginning, we were really questioning the way how we have the collaboration structured and whether we want to even be working uh, for clients and building uh, the company that way or whether we want to focus on being a product company and doing something of our own. And the reason why the progress was relatively smooth besides, you know, 
a couple of hiccups is that we are in a service business and uh, you can basically make a service business profitable very early on. It's very hard to make a product company profitable. But if you are like, if you are in a service business, you can start with yourself, do all the work and make a profit on that. Then you hire one person and it kind of rolls from there. So reaching profitability is extremely, extremely easy is probably an overstatement. But it's certainly easier. Achievable. Yeah, it's 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 achievable, and it's uh, I would say definitely easier to do than if you have a product company. You need to spend a year on building a product, and uh, then you can start selling it. You need to hire a sales team that is going to be selling it, so it's additional expenses, and then you make it okay. So you have some revenues, but they only cover thirty percent of your costs, and then it goes on and on and on, which are kind of the, you know, startups of today that need to receive huge uh, amount of financing to make it work. And even after that, sometimes they, they spend years in loss by, by chasing the, the growth numbers. And then it only remains to be seen whether they will ever be able to make it into profitability or not. What do you think is has been one of your greatest challenges or greatest failures throughout this journey the last 10 years yeah i i feel like i do a lot of small failures every every day <laughs> every day so. and but i wouldn't say that there was like a huge failure that we had throughout the years uh fortunately enough but the small ones they come they come every day and you know it just happens i think it's the nature of the business i'm a first time entrepreneur so it also comes with a little bit of a lack uh, of experience in certain areas i wouldn't say that after doing this uh, for about nine years that i still consider myself a junior but i also have experience only with running one business so i don't know how it's how it's elsewhere and uh, if we had a, a challenging like a big challenging moment i think there were there were many somewhere related to you know the finance situation not having enough projects not having the right people on the team having clients that were not happy with the collaboration and some of the clients are really tough ones sometimes the collaboration goes really really smooth but you don't always know what the personality of a person is going to be like before you start the engagement and what we saw was that yeah sometimes it just goes goes real bad so these were also also pretty challenging times we had at one point also a wave uh, when uh, quite a lot of people left the company so that was uh, not ideal but we always were able to learn from it and adjust uh, everything for the future so i think that it's part of the journey i just love your outlook lubo you know you seem very like relaxed about it all and like you're just kind of like it is, it is what it is, and it's just the journey and the process. You know, I wish <laughs> for many of our peers out there listening, they're probably thinking, how is this guy so relaxed? Like, you know, oh, good, you know, I had a couple of failures, but it is, you know, and I love it and it's awesome. But where do you think that kind of relaxed, more laissez-faire attitude comes from? And how do you think that served you in business? Well, I think that it's uh, one of my greatest assets that I have, that naturally what I'm passionate about besides you know being in tech is solving problems 
And solving problem problems is about the attitude. If you approach it with like, you know, so, okay, we have this problem, how, but how do we get out of it? Rather than, you know, spending uh, hours on uh, talking how bad the situation is. I think that's, that's how it, that's how it translates, to, translates to the business. But what's interesting is that on the personal side, it works exactly the same. And if you keep complaining and, uh, you know, bringing the negative energy to you, then like, yeah, you are going to be ter- like doing terrible. Uh, you're going to be, you're going to be sick. Uh, you are not going to have, uh, you know, a whole lot of successes. And I think it's, it's the mindset that helps a lot. And like, I probably don't have a magic pill how to bring the positive mindset uh, right away. But I do a lot of stuff that makes me kind of in this calm mode that keeps me there. For me, it's definitely sport and uh, healthy nutrition. So I, I like I tend to work out nearly every day and it doesn't have to be for long. It can be like 30 minutes or something, but being active, I think, yeah, helps, helps me a lot. And I don't, I don't do it because like I would, uh, release the stress. I do it because, uh, I, I enjoy it and I do all kinds of things. I do a lot of, uh, fitness in the gym. I love Barry's bootcamp. I have started wakeboarding about a year ago and I love it. I go skiing in the winter. So I have all these uh, activities that, that I really like doing. I combine it with a good, good nutrition. So for the most part, I try to stick with a ketogenic diet and I also try to get enough of sleep, which I think helps also. But overall, like I feel, yeah, I feel that I'm like really calm person and even if i'm like in a group of people that i don't know i don't talk much when i'm in a group of people that i know very well i talk a lot so i have kind of these two modes Mm. there you go what do you think is more important in, in business and really just in life like listening or actually having your voice heard <laughs> i think it's both is equally important if you just listen, then I think like it, it's great. And I think that's what I do. I like, I'm a kind of person that does not talk a whole lot. I, I rather listen, but you know, as we are recording this podcast, it doesn't seem that way. Right. So <laughs> if uh, I've been talking for the, for the majority of it, no, of course. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I think I can switch to a mode where, where I talk because I feel that it's important, especially if you want to present yourself and you want to, if you want to run a business, you need to be able to present yourself. And uh, if you can do that, then uh, you will probably not be able to get anywhere. So I think it's as equally important uh, to be able to speak as well as, as well as to listen. But I think that problem with speaking is probably the smaller one when it, when I look at the people around me. I think that oftentimes people don't listen, and uh, I think that's the that's the that's the bigger issue. Uh, I would I would say, and uh, I I feel like there's a whole lot of things that you can just learn by listening. I don't I don't particularly enjoy reading a whole lot of books, but uh, I listen to everything and I watch everything. That's that's kind of my way to to get some fresh uh, information in. I love it. Ah, Lubo, talk for hours. I love this. I am just mindful of your time though. So, you know, I've got a couple of last few questions for you and I mean, I guess the first one is, you know, what 
advice would you give to our peers out there listening who maybe they're they're not as clear as as you were on what they want to do maybe they don't really know what their passion is for you as technology maybe they're just not too sure you know what would be your advice around kind of figuring out what you actually want to do and what resonates with you yeah i think i already talked about it at at the very beginning like my biggest advice is be persistent and patient because it like if you start doing something and you keep doing it long enough and you might pivot right it, i'm not saying that it needs to be exactly the same because i might also pivot into something else later down the road but i still keep building on top of it and i'm not abandoning uh, what i have created so far and i think that's that's the way to look at it that if you if you keep on doing something long enough then you'll get somewhere i'm not i'm not going to tell you what 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 it's going to be whether it's going to be like a huge success or maybe a little one but uh, i think that there is a decent portion of uh, luck in that as well but if you keep on doing something the odds are going to be getting only better and I think that's that's kind of my vision, right? That I want to increase the odds. And that's, for me, probably more important than the final goal. But the journey and making sure that I get closer to what I would like to achieve. So, oh my goodness, Lubo. So look, over the last nine years, you've gone, you've really gone from strength to strength. You know, you now manage an amazing team of, I think it's over 200 people and have received a lot of recognition for your work. You've been featured in the Forbes and the 30 list um, and and other publications like that. So I guess what are the three key pieces of advice that you could give our peers that you wish that you got when you were just starting out? I feel like that the number one would be that you have only one uh, reputation It takes years to build and it can take seconds to destroy. So keeping that in mind while being on a journey is something that like I had to learn and it helped me a lot because like since I figured it out, I know I know how to manage that. And for me, the reputation these days is kind of I will do everything and anything not to not to destroy that. And I would probably use another word, but not sure if it's appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) so 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 that's that's one of them what else uh i feel would be important i think i think overall surrounding yourself with good people and i mean generally good people that you wipe with is far more important than having uh somebody who looks great on uh on the cv but does not uh, fit well with the team. I think that's that's what I learned that when I brought really experienced people to the company over the years and I saw how they were struggling because they were not a fit with the culture, they were not fit with the, the vision and values of the company. And I think just, I would say, following your heart in that a little bit. But the reason I say that is because that's the way how I make decisions and how I run the company, rather than looking purely at uh, the numbers and and everything. And not everybody has it set up that way, but uh, for me, it's important. And uh, one other thing that, like, I would probably start way earlier if I knew that it would be be that long of a journey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
you were already pretty young. I think you oh, were like twenty five oh. or something earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you can also you can like when I when I see what you know <laughs> the twenty year olds are doing these days, uh, I feel like I could I could start a little earlier, <laughs> but I still enjoy it now. So love it. Amazing. Well, look, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Lubo, for the amazing work that you've done and that you're doing, for really showing us that, you know, it is possible if we just stick at it, if we stay in the game, you know, if we start to learn to enjoy the process, we can actually really kind of achieve something great for ourselves and those around us. For that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. It was it was uh, a great chat with you and I I'm glad that I had a chance to, you know, share a little bit uh, of my experience and uh, hopefully it's going to be helpful for somebody. Mm, Totally, of course. So our final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? For for me, I realized that for me it's not... It's not about the goal uh, that I would like to achieve. For me, it's about the journey. And I'm really passionate about uh, about tech, but I also want to be surrounded with people that I enjoy every single day. And for me, like you, you also mentioned it, that for me, uh, doing this is not work. For me, doing doing this is a lifestyle. I think you have many different approaches how you can do business and how you can build companies and how you can live life. This is the one that I signed up for. I enjoy it very much. I wouldn't change uh, anything. And this is pretty much how how I look at it. And uh, I think that if you have something like that and you are a good fit for, you know, take like bearing all the responsibilities, but also leveraging all the benefits, then it's really great. And I try to transition as much as possible to the team as well. So it's not just me having all that freedom, but it's also them ha- having that. And uh, yeah, there, there, there is other things that like I'm really eager to keep pushing further. And it, it seems like that uh, is uh, also an interest of the vast majority that we have on the team. And that's kind of what drives STRV. I love it. Lubo, ladies and gentlemen, oh my goodness, we've had a blast. Where can people learn more about you and STRV? I guess the, the best the best source is my Instagram, Lubo Smid, or LinkedIn. I also have my personal site, uh, lubosmid.com. And then when it comes to learning more about the company, it's also uh, STRE uh, all over social media or STRE.com. We have a really insightful blog there as well with uh, a lot of uh, cool tech stuff. Love that. We'll link it up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Lobo. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit 
thepierceproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepierceproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>